Good morning, church. Welcome. Good morning. We're going to, as is our custom, we're going to stand together. So let's go ahead and stand to our feet. We're going to read and encourage each other with the words from God's Word uh, from Psalm 150 this morning. So uh, it'll be up on the screen, and we'll let's read this aloud together, Psalm 150. Hallelujah. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His powerful acts. Praise Him for His abundant greatness. Praise Him with trumpet blast. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and flute. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And for those of you who don't know, in, uh, in Hebrew, that would be, y'all praise the Lord. That's uh, hallelujah. Second person plural. Right? It's the way it should be, right? We're going to learn a new song together. I think you'll pick it up pretty quickly. Um, but as, as soon as you kind of get a sense of the tune, just sing along. High the name of Jesus. Lift high the name of Jesus, of Jesus, our King. Make known the power of His grace, the beauty of His peace. Remember how His mercy reached, and we cried out to Him. He lifted us to for our sin. Oh, sing my soul and tell all he's done till the earth and heavens are filled with his glory. Let's lift high the name of Jesus. Lift high the name of Jesus, of Jesus, our Lord. world to share the reason for our hope to serve with love and grace that all 
shine through us. My spring of Father's praise. Oh, sing, my soul, and tell all He's done. Till the earth and heavens are with His glory.
Good morning and welcome to Hebrew and Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. My name is Alan, and it is so great to join with you all in worship today. Thank you for coming out, whether here in person or online. We're so glad to worship together here today. If you're a guest with us today, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to connect with you, to get to know you. One way we can do that is through a Connect card. A Connect card looks like this. It's in the seat in front of you. So if you like, you can pull this out and fill this out. This will let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can serve you. If there's any needs in your life, we can help you with. Then after service, if you like, you can head out these central doors and turn left. There you'll see our next steps desk. You can turn this card in there. Meet someone who'd be happy to receive that from you, answer any questions you may have about church, and we'd love to give you a free gift. So welcome to our guests. We're so glad that you're here today. We like to encourage our worship through giving. What a joy it is to be able to give to God in worship. If you'd like to give, there's a few ways that you can do that. One way is through an online giving card. This is another card sitting in front of you. You can pull this out. You can also scan that QR code there with your phone. That'll take you to our online giving page. If you prefer to give in person, there are black boxes in the back of the room here. You can drop a gift in. You can also come into the office Monday through Thursday, 9 to 4.30, or Friday night to noon. Or you can write to P.O. Box 92, Hebron, Kentucky, 41048. Well, today is a special day because today we have a guest with us today. Carl Porter is here in person. Carl comes from England. He's one of our partners in ministry who we are so blessed to be able to support. He's a church planter and evangelist. He serves with the International Mission Board, and he'll be bringing the message here this morning. Also, he'll be bringing evangelism training here later today at 3 o'clock. So thank you, Carl, for being here. We're so grateful for you. Carl is not alone. He's here with his family, wife Sarah and daughters Lyra and Sophie. So thank you all so much for being here. We look forward to hearing from you in just a little bit. At this time, though, we're going to join together in prayer. I invite you to please pray with me. Good morning, Father. We give you thanks for another Sunday that you allow us to come and bow down before you and worship. This morning, Lord, we lift up to you our church value, our core value of engaging worship. You are so worthy of our praise, Father. You're the creator, the sustainer, our redeemer. 
you are worthy of everything that we have to give you. And we ask that you would continue to open our eyes to see a greater glimpse of how worthy of worth you are, that we would ascribe to you in worship. We pray that you would bless our corporate worship times like this morning. We pray you'd be present with us in our private worship times and in quiet times. We pray that we would encourage each other as we bow before you in praise. Lord, we pray this morning not only for ourselves, but we lift up to you Chris and Rhonda Richard. Thank you for this amazing family, along with their daughters Hannah and Kenley, who have felt your call from our church here to international missions and have followed you. Now in Argentina, where they serve with the IMB, we pray that you would bless them. Lord, sustain them, give them strength. We pray that the care package that will be sent to them from us soon would be just a source of encouragement and life to them. Use them in mighty ways, Lord. Please draw many to know of your amazing love through their work. Lord, we, we thank you for Carl Porter here today. We ask that you would bless him in the work that he does in England, that much fruit would come. We ask that you would help him this morning as he brings the message and training later today. Also, we pray you'd bless him as he trains pastors and evangelism tomorrow. Thank you for Carl. Please just use him in a mighty way. We lift up to you this day, Lord, with many exciting things planned. The Lord's Supper later today in the service, we pray you would be preparing and purifying our hearts. We pray for the church business meeting in just a little bit that you would give us wisdom together as we make decisions. We pray for your guidance as we think about the new youth director candidate, Lord. Please guide us with your wisdom. We pray for your blessing on, on gospel to every home later today. We lift up all these, all these things today to you, Lord. Our hearts also go out to our dear brother, Carl Smith. Lord, please continue to be with him as he recovers from the fall that he had. We pray that you would give him strength and quick healing. Finally, Lord, we pray for healing for all of us in our souls, in our spirits. We come to you with, with great sins in our, in our lives that we need forgiveness for. And we, we ask that you would wash us clean. We confess to you our sins from this past week. And we pray that the blood of Christ would be our source of life and healing and forgiveness. We thank you for the power of the gospel. We thank you for Jesus who died in our place and rose again. And the life that you give, the adoption that you give through Jesus, let us experience that joy and victory today. We pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. We have come together to, to as, as, as Alan has prayed, we've come together to enjoy the blessings of Christ in salvation and to rejoice in them. So would you stand to your feet? We're going to sing the gospel story together. We're going to rejoice that Jesus has come, died on the cross, and risen again so that we may have eternal life. Let's sing this and say thank you to God for what he's done. Mystery of the cross. Mystery of the cross, I cannot comprehend. The agonies of Calvary. You, the perfect Holy One, crushed your Son, who drank the bitter cup reserved for me. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. 
Jesus, thank you. Launch your enemy. Now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. By your perfect sacrifice, I've been brought me your enemy. the riches of your glorious grace, your mercy and your kindness know no end. Your blood has washed away my sin, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy at your table, Jesus, thank you. Let's make this commitment to our God. Let's live for Him. Lover of my soul, I want to live for Your blood has washed away my sin, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, that good news? Amen. Let's continue singing. We'll make this next song our prayer that God would speak to us through his word as it is preached. Come to you to receive. 
Good morning, everybody. 
Um, it's really nice to be back with you here at Hebron. This is our, our second visit here. Um, and I just want to say up front, my family and I, we're so, so grateful uh, to all of you for your partnership uh, with us. I mean, what you do is support us in our personal mission. And I really want to focus on personal mission today. And by personal mission, I mean this, and we were just singing of it, to live lives in line with God's will wherever he has us. Um, and we'll see what this means is it means to do good and to live in a godly way and to speak freely of the salvation found only in Jesus and to do this wherever God has us, in our homes, our schools, our universities, our places of work, our streets. And I know in a crowd like this, we're all going to react differently to that. Um, some of you are going to feel really excited. Some are going to feel scared. Some might feel that, actually, we're just not gifted enough to do this. Or I haven't been a Christian long enough, or I don't know enough. Or maybe we're too old, or we're too young. Well, I want us to see this today. No matter how we feel about mission and our role in it, anyone trusting in the Lord Jesus for forgiveness of sins and following him as Lord, well, you're commissioned, you're qualified, and you're able for mission. Actually, more than that, it's our job. So to see this, uh, we're going to look at the book of 1 Peter. Um, so please do open up your Bibles, and please do keep them open through the talk. So let's start, well, at the start, with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. So Peter writes, To God's elect exiles, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So did you see Peter's writing to the elect? And the elect, well, they're everyday Christians. And these Christians are scattered through the region of what's now Turkey. But in a sense, well, we're scattered too, aren't we? During the week, you're going to be outnumbered and surrounded by non-believers. Living Christianly is going to be really hard. Um, and there's a chance, well, because of that, we'll shrink back from it. And Peter... Well, Peter doesn't want this. So Peter wants to teach us about grace, um, to get us going and to keep us going in mission. So to see, please look at chapter 1, verse 2. Peter wants them to have grace and peace in abundance because it's knowing grace and peace that will spur us on to live for God. And then why do I think that grace is the key? Um, well, because Peter bookends his letter with grace. So if you turn to the back of the letter at chapter 5, verse 12, he closes the letter and he writes this. With the help of Silas, whom I regard a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand, fir stand firm in it. So what does he want Christians to understand? Well, if this letter is about the true grace of God, it means everything he contains in his letter is explaining God's grace. So everything he writes about living Christianly, about mission, well, it's going to teach us a lesson about God's grace. And if we truly understand it, well, we'll get going in mission and we'll keep going in mission. We'll stand firm. So my aim this morning is this. I want us to understand God's grace. 
so that we'll stand firm in the mission God has given us. And do forgive me, we're going to jump around the letter a little bit, but I hope it's okay. Um, so let's dive into grace, our engine room for mission. And we're going to see three things about grace. So first, it's God's grace that saves us for mission. Second, it's God's grace that sends us on mission. And third, it's God's grace that sustains us in mission. So our first point, it's God's grace that saves us for mission. And the important point here is this. We can only be on mission for God if we've been saved by Jesus. We cannot serve God unless he's first served us by dying for us. And salvation, well, it's granted by God. It's an act of his grace. So to, please, to see this, please look with me at chapter 1, verse 10. And Peter, well, he's talking about salvation, and he says this. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. So for the Christians he was writing to, for us today, well, God has been working through the prophets who spoke of what? Yes, the grace that was to come to us. And it's amazing, isn't it, when we think about it? Throughout history, God has revealed his salvation plan. So he's spoken through prophets over hundreds of years, and he's recorded their words all for our benefit. And how does it benefit us? What did the prophets explain to us? Well, please look down at verse 11, that Jesus, God's king, where well, he would suffer and he would go on to glory. So we're going to think more about this wonderful truth in a minute. But look again at verse 12. They were not serving themselves. So in fact, to be a prophet, well, in the most part, it led to persecution and death, a pattern of suffering and then glory, which is prominent in this letter. Yet they knew they were serving us. I mean, they were serving you. They were serving me. I mean, this is incredible, isn't it? What grace of God at work to reveal his salvation plan to us. But then God's grace, well, it continued as God brought somebody to preach the gospel to you. Please look again at verse 12. When they spoke of things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So throughout history, God, the infinite, all-powerful creator and sustainer of the universe, where he's been working all circumstances so that you, so that me, would hear, understand, and respond to the gospel. I mean, just dwell on that for a second. God has worked throughout history, the Old Testament prophets, through to Jesus, through his apostles, then person to person, down through the centuries, so the gospel would get to you. Why? Well, because back in one, chapter 1, verse 1, you're an elect exile. Verse 2, you were chosen by God before the beginning of time. I mean, pause again. God was thinking about you before the beginning of time. He's always known you, and he's always been at work to save you. What grace? But then that grace, well, it just gets bigger and bigger when we consider why we need to be saved. And then what it cost God to save us. 
So in 1 verse 2, we learn that Christians have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, covered by his blood. Why? What does it mean? Well, please look with me at chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. Peter writes, When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus, the shepherd and overseer of our souls, the eternal king of the universe, Well, he suffered insults, pain, humiliation, and death so that he could bear our sins in his body on the cross and take the just judgment of God on our behalf. So the judgment we deserve, we escape if we turn to Jesus and trust that he died and bore our sin. Well, he receives our judgment. And well, God, well, God gave his only son to die in our place. And then Jesus, well, he obeyed his father in going to his death, trusting that he'd be raised back to life. So to have, a, have salvation, eternal life, well, we have to turn from living for ourselves in rebellion to God and return to Jesus, the shepherd and overseer of our souls. I mean, I hope you see how good this is. Jesus left the heavens and came to earth as a man, knowing that he must die in our place so we could have intimacy with God. I mean, with Jesus himself. And maybe you're hearing this for the first time now. Or you've heard it before, but you've never trusted in Jesus. Well, just reflect again on how God has been working throughout history to bring about this message. When you think of the odds of me being here right now, you being here right now, so that you could hear the gospel, God is reaching out to you in kindness. Would you not turn and trust in Jesus even this morning? Return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. He loves you so much, he suffered and died for you. And what about those of us who do trust in Jesus? Well, I hope this reflection on God's grace in saving you, the circumstances he worked to bring you to life in Christ, well, it's just warmed your hearts anew with the love of Jesus this morning. I know it did me as I wrote these words down because it's this love of Jesus that will spur us on to serve him. It's only understanding God's grace that will transform our hearts, our minds, our actions. Yet you know, the more we dwell on the grace of God, the bigger it gets because God's grace, well, it doesn't end with him saving us. So once we've been saved, well, God's grace sends us on mission but we must be saved before we can be sent. And in those verses I just read, did you spot that first sense of being on mission? So chapter 2 again, verse 24 and 25, Peter wrote, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. So Jesus died and bore all our sins so that we might die to sin 
but live for righteousness. You see, saving us, it changes us. And God has an amazing purpose in saving us. It's wonderful. He equips us to die to sin and live for righteousness. And it's this living for righteousness that has eternal consequences. So our mission is to live righteously for the sake of those around us, to do good and to speak of the Lord Jesus. And being sent to do this is God's continued grace to us. So if as we've seen so far, God's grace saves us for mission, let's dig deeper into our second idea. God's grace is what sends us on mission. And remember, in our introduction, I said we're all qualified by God to be on mission. It's our responsibility. And to see this more clearly, please look with me at chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. In here, we get our job title. Um, so I'll read them. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So do you see what God's grace has turned us into? So Hebron Baptist, for those trusting in Jesus, you're royalty, chosen by God to be in his royal family. So I don't know if you saw this story from the UK earlier this year. As a Brit, I'm contractually obliged to talk about the Queen. So Camilla has been given permission to be the Queen Consort. So when Charles becomes King, Camilla, well, she's going to be given immediately the status, the title. She's in the family. Can you imagine what that must feel like to be in the royal family? Well, actually, there's no need. This is you, but not in an earthly royal family that's going to come to an end. An eternal royal family, handpicked by God, purchased by the blood of Christ, access to all the blessings and riches that come through Jesus. So someone once told me that grace was an acronym for this, God's riches at Christ's expense. You are so loved by God, showered in grace, showered in mercy, his special possession. We are God's people. I mean, it's wonderful, isn't it? In a world that is looking for identity, for purpose, for security, for relationship, for love, for family. Well, brothers and sisters, we have all of these in abundance, and they are ours forever. I mean, is this grace getting bigger yet? I mean, you, yes, you, and even me. We're God's special possession. We're the people of God. And as the people of God, well, God has given us a job. Did you see that in those verses? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So having fully understood the grace we've received, our job is to show off God in what we do and in what we say, to declare his praises. And why wouldn't we declare the praises of God? So in a few uh, short minutes this morning, we've been reminded of some of the amazing things he's done for us. But Peter, well, he sums these up by saying he's called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. 
given us a royal status and family, shown us mercy and given us that job to do, to be his priesthood, who declare his praises. So by grace, we've been sent on mission. And what does it look like? Well, I find this interesting. In the rest of Peter's letter, it's 95% about conduct and 5% about speaking of God. So our conduct is vital. How a priest behaves, well, that gives credence to the message that is spoken. And we're all royal priests. And what's that pattern for our conduct? Well, it's to be a race to the bottom. It's for us to be a servant, to be happy to submit. So thinking back to the royal family again, earlier this year, the queen penned a letter and it was published. And she signed it off this way your servants. So the queen, well, she gets the type of Christian conduct that Peter talks about, leading through serving in all situations. So Peter shows this in his letter. Let me show you briefly. So chapter 2, verse 13, submit yourselves to every human authority. So this means where it doesn't go against God's law, we're to submit to our governments, our councils, the police, other earthly institutes. Why? Because in verse 16, they were sent by God. And in verse 16, we're to be slaves to God. Then in chapter 2, verse 18, Peter's attention turns to the workplace. He says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself to your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Chapter 3, verse 1, in the home, wives, submit to your own husbands. Chapter 3, verse 7, husbands, live with wives in a considerate way. And what about in the church? Well, 4, verse 10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. So your gift, it's not for you, it's for the rest of the family. That's how you're to use it. Then in 5, verse 2, for elders and shepherds in the church, elders, eager to serve, not reserved about serving, not seeing serving as a chore, but eager to serve. And in 5 verse 3, they are not to lord it over those entrusted to them. And what about for the rest of us in the church family? Well, in verse 5, submit yourself to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So do you see, our conduct, it's to be a race to the bottom of submission, of service, of placing others ahead of us. So we're not to be clamoring to get to the top, to put one over on people, to work situations for our advantage, but working out how in all situations we can submit and serve. Work in situations to the advantage of others. So the Christian faith, it really is my life for yours. This is how God's royal priesthood is to look. This is how his holy nation works. And it's not going to be easy. And it's only if we've grasped the grace we've received and the grace that's going to come that we'll be able to do it. This is why Peter writes in 1.13, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope on what? will set your hope fully on the grace 
that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So living the missional life, the Christian life, well, it's only going to come if we prepare our minds. And to have sober minds means we need to be clear on who we are, what God has made us now, and what God has done for us in the past, and what God will do for us in the future. And then on what this means for everyone around us, we're in the light, they're in dark. We need, the, we need to show them the light, and we do that by serving them, by being on their side. They've not received mercy. We've received mercy. We should so desperately want for them to receive mercy. So the way we conduct ourselves, it's key. And we'll only conduct ourselves well if we think clearly, if we set our minds rightly on the grace of God and the revelation of Jesus. So Peter brings this into focus again in 4 verse 7. He writes, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be sober-minded and self-controlled for the sake of your prayers. The end of all things is at hand. The revelation of Christ is coming. Focus your mind on this. Focus your prayer life on this. A good prayer would be this. Lord, please let me conduct myself with a servant mindset so that you may be glorified and your light might shine out into the world through me. Lord, let me do this with a kind of focus that is clear you could return at any minute. Not for me and my benefit, Lord, but for the benefit of everyone around me. But we are only going to pray like this if we're clear-minded, if we have a biblical view of the world, of people, of the grace that's worked in us to send us on mission. By remembering you, me, we're his special possession. We're the ones he's going to use. And God doesn't make mistakes. So we are the right people. And as saved people, we're commissioned people. But I wonder, is it just about serving those around us indeed? Is it just about living righteously and doing good? Well, no. To declare his praises means we must speak of God. We need to tell them we've been rescued from darkness into his glorious light. We need to be clear we've received mercy, and boy, did we need that mercy. To be clear and excited about the grace we've received, about how God is able to forgive our sins by giving his son to die for us. How through the power of the cross, we're no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness, and that Jesus will return one day and judge the world. But they can receive mercy too, if they'll just receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You see, people cannot understand Jesus and the salvation he offers unless someone tells them. So we're declarers. And we should be so excited about God because God, well, God is so good. And Peter makes this clear again in 3.15. We should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, but to do it with gentleness and respect. So we are not to be brutal with the gospel. We're to deliver the gospel in a way that makes it clear to the person, I'm on your side. But we're always to be ready to do this. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get a bit flummoxed under pressure 
So an opportunity to share the gospel comes, and I don't take it, well, because I'm not clear what to say. Well, you know, a wonderful thing to do would be to practice a gospel message. And you can do a little bit of this in the training session this afternoon. So that when the pressure comes on, on, you're clear on what to say. So I did it with a simple framework. It had four columns, God, people, Jesus, decision. And because I'm not very good, I used to practice it in front of the mirror until I knew it off by heart so that I was always ready to give an answer. But then I practiced in front of the mirror so I could see how I came across. I want to be gentle. I want to be respectful. I want the person to know I'm on their side. So I can say to somebody, hey, you know I'm a Christian. Well, I want to share something with you which is deeply important to me and I believe that it's true with all my heart. Do you mind if I share it with you? And I can say, hey, you know, the Bible teaches us that God made the world and everything in it, and he's the owner and loving ruler of the world. But when we look at the world, well, it isn't as it should be. And the Bible teaches us that the problem with the world, well, it's us. It's people. See, we all reject God's rule and want to rule ourselves, and the Bible calls this sin. And it says that sin is punishable by death and by judgment. But God... Well, God has given us a free solution so we can escape judgment. God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world to die on a cross. And in his death, he took the punishment our sin deserves. And his resurrection, well, it proves we can be forgiven. And that Jesus will return one day to judge the world. And you know, that gives all of us two choices. Will we continue to live our own way and face death and judgment? Or will we turn to Jesus as Lord and Saviour? and receive eternal life as a free gift. Only you can make that decision. But I hope you can understand well, why I'd want to share that with you. You see, being able to say that, well, it wouldn't come naturally to me. So I practiced, so I'd be ready. And I make sure I try to be gentle with a person. And do you know what? Just a few months ago, as I got to say this to an old friend, and God was working in his heart, he was convinced there was a God and wasn't sure how he could know him. So he looked at some verses in John, and a few minutes later, he gave his life to Christ, sitting at our kitchen table. And we hoped to baptize him soon. Another old friend of mine, the same thing, and we wonderfully baptized him just a month ago. It really is worth being ready to give an answer. Jesus is so good. He's lavished so much grace upon us. There is nothing better than to declare his praises, to live for him. And we've sent by him, by his grace. Some of you might now be asking, is it always like this, Carl? We submit, we serve, we speak, and people are just going to drop to the knees and become Christians, and we're going to be loved by the world. Well, of course, the answer is no. Peter is real about this. So let's look at our third and final point. God's grace sustains us in mission. And be clear, we're going to need sustaining. Because there's a definite pattern in 1 Peter, that pattern of suffering, then glory. It was for the prophets, it was for Jesus, and it's for us too. We're going to suffer for doing good. As we live holy lives, this holiness will upset the people around us. So let's look at a couple of examples from 1 Peter. So in 2 verse 12, the call is this. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, 
They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So did you see that? They will accuse you of doing wrong, even though you're living a good life. Or in 2.20, it says you're going to suffer for doing good. Or in chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Peter writes, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. So what will it look like for doing good? You'll be accused of doing wrong. You'll suffer for doing good. They'll heap abuse on you. And you know, I've experienced, well, all of this. In work, I once had a new boss given to me, and he wanted me to join in on a team building exercise. And one of the activities wasn't appropriate, so I didn't go. And um, as a Christian now, I don't drink. I used to, but by God's grace, I no longer do. So for not getting drunk, not taking part in debauchery, I began to get cut out of the team. My boss, he wanted me out. He stopped giving me work. He stopped inviting me to things. And it hurts. It's lonely. It's isolating. But then do you know what happened? And it's sad. Sadly, his wife contracted cancer. But I was the first person that he phoned to tell. And he asked me to pray. And then he asked me to tell the rest of the team for him. So despite the previous maligning, he'd spotted something. And at the right moment, well, I could serve him. But you know, all along, I was serving him by drawing my line in the sand. Or as someone once told me, by sticking out like a healthy thumb amongst a bunch of sore thumbs. Because we read in 1 Peter, he will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And I can help him escape that judgment if I serve him. How? By doing good and speaking of Jesus. And to keep doing it in the face of hostility. You know, I'm sure we've all got stories like this. I've experienced it in my family. My parents, they don't like the change in my behavior, even though my behavior is now good. I don't join in the things that I used to. And this change in behavior, well, it's annoying to them. They've stopped speaking to me. They malign me. But what's harder? Well, they don't speak to my wife or our children either. But as much as this is hard... I need to hold the line for the sake of their salvation. If I go back to my former futile ways, well, it does them no favors in eternity. I have to keep serving them by being godly, by speaking of Jesus. I mean, back in the office as well, I experienced maligning. The irony of this, I was the only person not invited to the team Christmas party this year. So my colleagues will tease me for having a Christian faith. But since becoming a Christian... I've lost interest in my career. I want to work hard at serving others, trying to help them achieve their goals. Yet I get teased and maligned. But they do notice. Because when they give feedback to our boss, they'll say privately how glad they are to have me in the team. And what about in our street? Well, since moving in, we've been kind and generous to everyone, invited people into our homes, spoken to people about Jesus, but then sometimes we get to hear about the parties that we're not invited to. 
Why not? Well, I think it's because we don't drink. We're not the same as them. We don't want to join in drunkenness. So we get cut out of that. But we keep loving them. We keep serving them. We keep going. Why? Because the end of all things is at hand. Judgment is coming. We so desperately want them to know the Lord. But it's easy, isn't it, when these things happen, when we meet opposition, when we're cut out, when we're maligned, when we suffer for doing good, our default position is to think, well, God isn't pleased with us, that somehow we've done something wrong. And we can find these trials in all areas of life. I mean, I have a friend who's a Christian and whose wife isn't. Life is hard for him. They live different lifestyles. Even though he loves her dearly, he sacrifices for her, he gets maligned by her and his children for being a Christian. Anytime he opens his Bible, they verbally abuse him. Yet every week as we read the Bible together, he prays for them and asks how he can get better at loving them, sustained by the reminder of God's grace. This is why Peter wants us to be really, really clear on this. These trials are the grace of God and they'll come because God gives them to us with a purpose. So please take a look at me with chapter one, uh, chapter one verses six and seven. Peter writes, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come to the je tested genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Do you see the pattern? Now for a little while you will suffer grief in all kinds of trials, but these trials have a purpose. They prove the tested genuineness of your faith, which is greater than gold, which when refined by fire gets purified. These trials, they're God's grace because they show your faith is real. So we can be sure we're saved and sent for mission when we persevere and push on through these trials. And we'll only persevere and push on through these trials when we understand they're all part of God's grace to us. So God's grace really does sustain us for mission. But his grace doesn't stop here because God in his infinite kindness, well, he gives us one another, the church family, because when we spend our time being maligned and isolated in the world, like we said during the week, we're scattered to homes, workplaces, schools, streets. This is why we gather together, so we love one another. Peter writes in 4 verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. And in 4 verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. We need each other. As we come in beaten up for doing good, well, we patch each other up in the word and in love, and we send each other back out into the battle. So praise God for a church family. I need mine so much, because being a Christian, well, it changed all of my non-Christian relationships. They don't understand me anymore, but my church family do. Yet do you know something? God's grace doesn't even stop here. His grace gets bigger still, when we realize this, that Jesus, well, Jesus went first and he had it worse. Jesus is the supreme example of someone who suffered for doing good. So in chapter two, Peter writes this, Jesus committed no sin, 
No deceit was in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So Jesus, well, he's our supreme example. Suffering, going to his death, and all he did was good wherever he went. All he did was reveal God through what he said wherever he went. And even on the cross, well, Jesus asked for forgiveness for those who put him to death. And it's only grace that allows us to follow in his footsteps. And it's as we're clear, these trials don't mean God's abandoned us, but all come from him for our good that will be sustained in mission. So as Peter writes in chapter 4, verse 12 to 14, Dear friends, do not be surprised when the fiery ordeal that has come onto you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So please, brothers and sisters, don't go looking for trials, but keep doing good and speaking of Jesus. Fulfill your mission as a royal priesthood with a servant and prayerful heart, with the salvation of those around you uppermost in your mind. And be sure trials and insults will come. But know this in those trials. You're blessed, God loves you, and his spirit rests on you. What grace from God. The grace that will sustain you in mission is the same grace that saved you for mission and sent you on mission. Let's close by praying together using the prayer of Peter himself. Please join me in prayer. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Just stand to your feet. Sorry about that. Came unplugged. As we've heard God's word and been encouraged to live our lives following Christ, let's sing together and commit our lives together to following Christ, no turning back. Jesus, I have 
decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. No world behind me, the cross before me. The world's behind me, the cross before me. Behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. You may be seated. Wasn't that a blessing and a challenge of the Lord that we're saved by grace but sent with grace? I want to bring uh, Carl and his family up. I know that they weren't probably expecting this, but uh, Sarah and Sophie and Lyra. Uh, just so you know, they are our partners, one of our partners. And when we mean that, they're our partners in a couple ways. One, we pray for them. Number two, we financially support his ministry. Uh, but also, we partner by sending teams. And so, it's really important they get support, especially as they're starting a church in Swindon, and that they uh, that they need hands and feet, but prayers and, and everything in between. And so uh, I want you to thank them for their sell, being sold out to the Lord as Carl is stepping away from his uh, secular job into the ministry, uh, for Sarah as she supports them. Of course, these beautiful girls and and all that they do to support in ministry i know that they love the ministry as well and and also just that we can encourage them uh but as they're stepping out in faith to do this uh, and uh god has given him a wonderful opportunity to go to his hometown the people that he wasn't christians around but now by god's grace has changed his life both he and sarah and and they see what god does in someone's life so uh, they are faithful in this, so let's just uh, give the Lord praise for what they're doing. So, of course, being from England, they are not American football fans. They are what they would say the original football fans, right? And uh, so, since we uh, have a local football uh, club, we want them to be able to support them over there. So uh, for we got some gear for you guys to support FC Cincinnati. And so here's for Sophie. That's for Carl. So he can, they can now support uh, the local team here. 
he gave Franklin a, a Swindon jersey, so he, he uh, supports that at home. So we want to be able to support them with love and uh, encourage them so they can think about us when they're over there and know that somebody's praying for them. Amen? Let's give the Lord praise. Amen? All right, well, uh, one more exciting day. This is a busy day. There's a lot going on, actually, today, so I'm giving you, tell you, just hold on. We're getting to the Lord's Supper here in just a minute, but we wanted to encourage them. But now I want to bring up Curtis and Bailey Ponder. They're going to come up. Uh, these are, these, uh, uh, Curtis grew up here in Boone County, uh, down, at the, down at Big Bone Baptist Church. He graduated uh, at Boyce College, actually both of them did, and they met there, and uh, they are now, uh, the uh, youth families got to meet them last week, but Curtis and Bailey, and they've got a precious little boy, James, who is one years old, who's in the nursery, uh, which is kind of a funny story, I had him over this week, and Parker rid him like a horse one time, uh, you should have seen, <laughs> seen it poor James's face when he was being ridden by my massive two-year-old, uh, but um, Curtis and Bailey, they love the Lord, and we are so thankful for them. We wanted you all to get a, a see, just see them and to welcome them at Hebron Baptist. Uh, and uh, th he has a heart for the gospel and for students, and uh, we're excited about how he's going to lead our, our students, 6th to 12th grade. Uh, and so if you would welcome them, just praise the Lord for them. y'all can be seated at the end of the service if y'all would come back and y'all can come and just uh, greet them uh, quickly uh, if you would now I've got a couple of announcements and then we're going to turn off the online service so I did we did that for all of you who happen to be at home or watching and, and so uh, just a couple quick announcements and then we'll transition uh, to the Lord's Supper uh, first of all, uh, today, if you really enjoyed and were blessed by the word today, well, you've got to come back today at 3. Evangelism training at 3 o'clock. Uh, uh, Carl is going to uh, make sure that you can identify those who are around you who need the gospel. A great exercise for you to think through that. He's going to equip you. And then right afterwards, we're going to go and do gospel at every home. Now, we want you to be able to come at 3. We want you to be able to come at 4 and stay if you can for both. Uh, but we want you to come this afternoon. This is a, an a unbelievable opportunity to be trained by Carl, and so we hope that you uh, will come and be part of that. Now, one thing I, I don't think we, well, I think uh, Alan mentioned it, mentioned it briefly. Uh, praise God by just circumstances and the Lord's hand, and it really became through our kind of networking with other churches, Southern Baptist churches here in America, that we got connected to Carl, and Carl got connected to Southern Baptist Life. He is a now an IMB associate, and so he is working with IMB missionaries in all of Europe, I believe, uh, to train them in workplace evangelism. And so uh, I wanted to just say that because part of our support of IMB is, is finding people, uh, Christians like him, who can help support our mission work overseas. And so this is really exciting. Uh, he, tomorrow he's going to be training pastors at the NKBA. So we've ha had him here. So we're going to help pastors learn to do that as well. And I, I meant to say that earlier and I forgot. Uh, so 3 o'clock today, evangelism training with Carl. 
today also, we're kind of on this uh, international kick a little bit today, uh, but the Richards family who's serving in Buenos Aires, Argentina, for those of you who don't know or knew, they're a family that we just sent out uh, full-time through the International Mission Board last year, so we regularly try to do uh, things for, for them. Uh, there are some cards out on the Next Steps desk if you want to do a quick uh, jot down of uh, encouragement uh, and the WMU is sending that package so today is the deadline so we sent a lot of reminders and I know I needed one I stopped by Dollar General and got cards this morning uh, but if you want to do an encouraging card stop by the next steps desk and have that uh, so that the WMU can send that to them we want to encourage them we know they need lots of encouragement and this is a way that we can do that um, also, uh, if you want to be a part of our Gentle and Lowly Summer Reading Club, uh, there's two more meetings left. There's a free book out there. The next meetings are August 9th and 10th. You can uh, go by the Next Steps desk and get one of those. If you are a guest, we are so glad that you are here. We hope that you felt welcome. Make sure you fill out that Connect card and go to the Next Steps desk at the end of our service. We have a gift waiting for you, so make sure that you don't stop and do that. And then right at the end, after we've sort of said our goodbyes, after the Lord's Supper, that is, we're going to have a brief, a very brief business meeting. So very brief because we know people are coming back at 3 o'clock. But uh, we have one agenda item and just a few items for information uh, then. So uh, those are all the announcements. We're going to say goodbye to those who are online. Thank you for joining us today, praying for you, and hope you can return back in person next week. Now, so transition and scene no i'm just kidding uh we're going to move to the lord's supper this is our opportunity uh to be reminded